You're listening to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. Most of you are probably familiar with the National Reading Panel's five pillars. Have you ever wondered how the panel decided on the pillars of phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension? Researcher and professor at Florida State University, Hugh Katz, will share some of the history of the National Reading Panel and will help us understand the benefits and limitations of thinking about reading as five separate pillars. Hi, teacher friends. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two educators who want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. We worked together in Baltimore when the district adopted a new literacy curriculum. We realized there was so much more to learn about how to teach reading and writing. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning with you today. Hi, teacher friends. Happy New Year. We are excited to break down some popular reading models with you in the next three episodes. And we're so excited to have a returning guest. Hugh Katz is back with us, and he's here to help us make sense of these complex reading models. So welcome back, Hugh. Yeah, it's nice to be with you guys again. Yeah, thank you. Well, we know we're starting a series here, and it's just a brief one, just three brief episodes. Um, But we're kicking off today discussing the five pillars from the National Reading Panel. And many of our listeners are familiar with the National Reading Panel. But Hugh, can you share a little bit about how the history of the National Reading Panel and the pillars came to be? Yeah, it was in in the late uh, uh, 90s, the Congress... uh, uh, asked the director of, of, of a group from NIH and Department of Education uh, to put together a panel of experts to kind of give the status of research and reading, particularly as it related to best practice and in, in instruction. So they put together a group of, of reading researchers um, and, and educators, um, and the educators looked at the literature and initially started with dividing the literature up into three different areas, alphabetics, uh, uh, fluency, and comprehension. But as they began, and they divided the teams up, and as they began to look at the research, they saw that within alphabetics, there was research that focused primarily on phonological awareness and and research on on phonics. And in the area of comprehension, there was research uh, that focused on vocabulary and also work that that considered text uh, comprehension, particularly strategy research. So when they finished doing their evaluation of literature, they had chapters for those five different uh, areas. And in addition to that, they had a chapter on teacher uh, education, and one on on uh, uh, computer uh, uh, involvement in, te- in in reading instruction, and from that, a number of years later, uh, these turned into the five components of, of reading, or what's known as the Big Five or the Five uh, Pillars of, of Reading, and they've worked themselves through the educational system and have now become part of public law in some states. States require that you have to teach the five components of, of reading. Um, they're also in in uh, uh, in reading programs. So vendors advertise that their particular reading um, series includes instructions in the uh, five pillars of reading. So just to clarify, Hugh, the five pillars 
that came out of that in a kind of roundabout way were phonemic awareness or phonological awareness, mm-hmm. phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. Yes, right. Is that right. correct? Um, so we we see them all the time, and sometimes they're, you know, in the actual five pillars. Like people have made a graphic of five actual pillars <laughs> and written each one of them on a pillar, and I think that. I know where we know where it came from now, right? Like you just said, but sometimes that can cause some confusion because it's not really like a model of how reading works. There are just these five pillars side by side. So can you dig into that a little bit and tell us about what confusion can come from it? Yeah, I mean, it's basically not a model like other models that we use to to uh, describe reading processes. I mean, that's what a model does is it's just a visual a visual description of some phenomenon. In our case, uh, uh, reading, uh, where the five pillars are really, you know, just a listing of five aspects, if you will, uh, about reading. And, and it, it's really kind of problematic for, for two different reasons. One reason is it seems to indicate that, that these different so-called components are independent, all right? And, and we, we know they're not independent, that, that uh, phonological awareness and phonics uh, are, uh, should be taught in an interactive way. And I, I can talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Same thing with vocabulary. Vocabulary should be taught in the context of uh, of comprehension. The other problem is, is, is that they're all treated to be somewhat equal in the visual, de- the visual uh, depiction of them, right? The five pillars. And there's even uh, one uh, graphic of the five, uh, the big five, it says, and comprehension's this little box at the top, right? And what it does is it, it suggests visually that these five components are equal in terms of their complexity and malleability. Now, we know they're not, but the way things are presented makes a big difference in the way that we think about it. And they can lead us to some false assumptions about about, uh, teaching reading. We know that that comprehension is a much more complex phenomenon than than, uh, alphabetics and Influency. In fact, it's probably the most complicated thing we do on a daily basis. Hugh, I'm wondering if you can dive in a little bit to how we look at these and how that affects what we interpret. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, basically, what it's suggesting that we should work on each one of these kind of individually. Right? So we would go work on phonological awareness for a bit of time. And then we, we might, if we're beginning teaching the alphabet, we'll teach a little bit about the alphabet. And then turn and work on reading comprehension for 30 minutes, right? Teach a little vocabulary, teach a few strategies, and, and, so, and so forth. And, and it, it's, uh, uh, I mean, it, it's not teaching uh, uh how one reads, it's teaching one about different aspects of, of reading, if, if you will. Right? And uh, I think if, if, if we wanted to use a model from the reading uh, panel, we should go back to their original idea of alphabetics, fluency, and comprehension. Right? And, and not think about comprehension as a component of reading. Right, comprehension, including vocabulary and text comprehension, have much more in common with other cognitive abilities like listening comprehension or either comprehension of media, 
watching a YouTube video or a, or a documentary or or a uh, or a movie have more in common uh, with with each other than they do with alphabetics and phonics, or alphabetics and fluency. Sorry. So what some people have suggested, one of my colleagues, is that we needed to take a narrower view of reading and think about reading instruction as focusing on teaching alphabetics and and phonics, right? At least partly explicit instruction, but an explicit instruction to the extent that the child begins to understand how the alphabetic principle works and can use that to learn more about reading themselves. Most of, of what we know about words is learned implicitly after we have discovered the alphabetic principle and have had some practice using the alphabetic principle. Now, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't do this in context because you'd certainly want to teach fluency in the context of of real reading material. But there's a portion of of the instruction that that is skill-related. I mean, we're teaching the child a, a skill or at least giving them enough information about how that system works so that they can utilize to get better on it themselves. And then comprehension would be taught with with the purpose that's involved in in comprehension, right? Some people say that the purpose of reading is comprehension, but it's really not. The purpose is why you're comprehending. And in school, for the most part, it involves learning or in literature, appreciating literature, enjoying literature, uh, so forth. And so uh, we're, we're moving toward teaching comprehension within the learning situation, within within the, the social studies curriculum or in the science curriculum where the focus is on learning and how we understand language of a text, whether it's written, spoken, or shown in a video, right? And how we would do that to form an understanding uh, of that text and learn from that text. So it doesn't mean that we wouldn't teach reading comprehension explicitly, we'd still teach kids how do you extract information from a text, but it would be in the service of learning something at the end of reading that particular text. And uh, my colleague, uh, Alan Kamai, calls this the narrow view of reading, Um, and that's reading being alphabetics and and fluency. And... and, uh, he introduced this idea about 15 years ago, and I wrote another paper about the broad view of comprehension. And what it does is it allows us to think about comprehension right, as a broader phenomenon that occurs with text, with, with uh, lecture, or in early grades, kind of mini discussion or uh, visual presentation. Just curious, where does fluency fall? Well, the fluency would fall kind of in between to a certain extent, right, Amy? Because part of fluency is understanding what you read. So your fluency is going to go down a bit if you're, at least your speed, if you will, will go down if you don't understand understand the, the, the text. But there's parts of that is 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 a skill to a certain extent as well that can be practiced and, and transferred. Comprehension is is not a skill that you can learn how to do it and then apply it to 
different contexts because it depends upon what you're reading, what the purpose of reading is. It's I've used the example. It's not like swimming where you learn how to swim and then you can swim in a body of, of water. It's heavily dependent upon upon the the, uh, uh, the what it is you're reading and the purpose of that reading. And that's why I and others are beginning to, to, to argue that it's best taught within uh, a meaningful context that in school involves learning or appreciating literature, understanding about how stories are told and what's what's involved in poetry or whatever it might mean. It's a it's a meaningful context that where comp- comprehension is best taught. I, I I like the idea of alphabetics, fluency, and and comprehension. And within comprehension, we would teach vocabulary and text comprehension strategies and so forth. But by treating this comprehension, the focus is on understanding for the purpose of learning or for the purpose of enjoyment, appreciation, whatever it might be there. And then alphabetics and fluency would still be taught. But the idea of five pillars, to me, introduces uh, independence and and it, it introduces the idea you teach this at one point you move to this, you move to this, you move to that. Right? And it's hard to get rid of that idea. Right? I mean, it's so it's so intermixed into the to education these days. But I think we would be better off going back to the to uh, the initial way that the, the reading panel kind of divided up the the literature. Yeah, I have to say, I recently went back to the National Reading Panel and really like dove back into it. Um, and I was surprised. I was like, oh, wow, these the chapters are not what you think they are. Like, I thought they would be those five pillars would be the chapters and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they're what you just said, the alphabetics and then fluency and then comprehension. And I, I was surprised myself. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> interesting. How did we get to the five pillars? That's really. <laughs> well, it's a nice graphic. I mean, we like we like, uh, you know, visual images that help with understanding complex uh, problems. But. You know, I don't think this visual image does us much good in terms of of understanding uh, how we might teach reading. Yeah, Hugh, if you could leave our listeners with one thing to think about as they are looking at this graphic, which we'll link in the show notes, what would you leave them with? Like what thoughts, what questions? Yeah, don't think about the the pillars as independent uh, uh, components of reading and, and, and move away from the idea of of the independence of instruction that one works on on one aspect of reading and then can turn and do 30 minutes of another aspect of of reading i think it's more important to think about what the goal is of the of the instruction and in one case the goal is going to be understanding how the alphabetic principle works right, and how to become more efficient at at that using that principle so that kids can uh, can uh, learn to read more more words can be more fluent in their reading and then with comprehension focus on the purpose of the comprehension activity that's so helpful thank you so much for being here and for talking with us about this sure Yep. So in our next two episodes, we'll discuss three other reading models with Hugh, the simple view of reading, Scarborough's reading rope, and the RAND model for comprehension. We can't wait to keep learning with you. 
To stay connected with us, sign up for our email list at literacypodcast.com. Join our Facebook group and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If this episode resonated with you, take a moment to share with a teacher friend or leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just a quick reminder that the views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast are not necessarily the opinions of Great Minds PBC or its employees. We appreciate you so much, and we're so glad you're here to learn with us.